We ought to shout that from the rooftops and let every man, woman, and child know that there is hope, that they don't have to die and go to hell. They don't have to be trapped in sinful snares and imprisoned by a habit, that there is freedom because the grave is empty. This is Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Crawford Lawrence. Crawford has been in Christian ministry for over 50 years, serving with Campus Crusade for Christ, speaking at Dennis Rainey's marriage conferences, and for 15 years was pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. He now heads the Christian mentoring program known as Beyond Our Generation. Well, wonderful to be with you for today's Easter message titled Beyond Expectation. Now, it's not often we get to visit with Crawford before and after the message these days, but he's with us today. And Crawford, it's our traditional greeting on this special day. He is risen. He is risen indeed. That's right. Sounds like I got a little excited in the (laughs) message here, but, uh, you know, it's hard to talk about the resurrection of Jesus without getting Mm. excited. Yeah, you're so right. And we're in for a celebratory message today. Our text is Luke chapter 24. We're going to take a look at what Crawford calls five scenes that we discover in this chapter. And Crawford, just to prime the pump in our minds, what are those five scenes? Dealing with reality, struck by the unexpected, awakened by memory, transformed by joy, and it was confirmed by a witness. This is the experience of those disciples Mm. when they discovered that their Savior was risen. Beyond Expectation, the title of today's message. Now, the resurrection was not at all what the disciples expected, especially after witnessing the crucifixion of Christ. Yeah, the trauma of crucifixion just obliterated every statement Jesus had made about the resurrection. And you can just imagine how they felt. Yes. Well, let's get right to our study. Luke chapter 24 and verses 1 through 12. At the end of our broadcast, I'll have information on how to download this message for free for further reference. Let's join Crawford Loritz here on Living a Legacy. One of the great challenges of this time of the year that has frustrated me for many, many years is that we all of a sudden want to get figurative about the resurrection, that it's a metaphor, it's an allegory, it's representative of new life. And so in spring and we wear pink ties or whatever it is. And... Uh, You know, we look because the resurrection really just means something larger than. Well, no, the resurrection is literal. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then, and I hate to sound as if I'm being expansive or exaggerating or being dramatic, but it really is true what C.S. Lewis said. It really is true what Josh McDowell said. And it's really true what Christians throughout the century have said. If Jesus did not rise again from the dead, then Jesus was a categorical liar. He was not who he said he was. The resurrection of Jesus Christ stands for everything. It holds Christianity together. If there is no resurrection of the Lord Jesus, there is no transformation of a personal life. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. I want you to meet me in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. There is a marvelous, intriguing story In Luke 24, beginning at verse 1, going from verse 1 to verse 12, this is a story of the women who came to the the tomb of the Lord Jesus, uh, coming there for one reason and leaving totally transformed. 
There are five scenes in this uh, story, and I want to give them to you. In a very real sense, this story is really representative of how people come to Jesus as we look at some of these applications along the way. The very first scene is this. It's found in verse 1. They're dealing with, quote, and I put quotes around, reality. They're dealing with reality. Look at verse 1, if you will. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking spices they had prepared. Now, I got to say to you this. Now, look, listen, listen. Keep our minds on the north side of the story. These women that are go- coming to the tomb had also been at the cross. They had watched Jesus die. These women, in today's vernacular, were experiencing post-traumatic stress syndrome. It had washed away their memory of what Jesus had said, as we'll see a little bit later on. So picture this, if you will. Although Jesus talked about his resurrection, that he would suffer and die and rise again on the third day, and I'll come back to that in a moment, these women are coming to the tomb uh, helping with the embalming process. They'd seen him die. The two-and-a-half-inch crown of thorns smashed on his skull. His back and body filleted by the whips. He died of asphyxiation, his lungs filling up with his own blood. And unlike the pictures we see today where he's kind of somewhat covered, he was stark naked when he died. He was a spectacle. It was horrible, gruesome, beyond imagination. These women are not thinking about resurrection. They're thinking about his emaciated body. So here they come with baskets full of spices to help cover the stench of the decaying process. That was their reality. They were dealing with that. Well, there's a second scene, though. (laughs) They're struck by the unexpected. Verse 2 says, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. You know, verse 2 implies implies a question, doesn't it? It really does. It implies a question. I don't think these women had any idea as to how they're going to remove this stone. They had no idea. Uh, I've been to the garden tomb there, and uh, trust me, we ain't talking about a small cinder block here. Um, It was a huge thing that was rolled in front of the tomb. And I suppose on their way, and you got to understand this, these these women were probably nervous too. Jesus had been crucified. Maybe people had seen them hanging around him. But they needed to do what they thought they should do to honor his life. So they're scared, they're coming, they're figuring, well, I don't know how we're going to get in there. And all of a sudden they come and they realize the stone has been rolled away. What ought to strike you, too, if you know a little bit about this, is that, you know, uh, that, that, that stone, that big boulder, had a Roman seal on that. Nobody would break the Roman seal. You had to be crazy or nuts to do that. Definitely no Roman soldier would break the seal. So they get there and they figure, what in the world is going on? Down in verse 3. Uh, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. You, you got to feel this for a second. You're coming, and the tears are coming down your cheeks, and 
Jesus had died, and you witnessed that gruesome, gory episode. And you're, you're coming to just help with the embalming process, to, to cover the stench of decay. And, and, and he's meant so much to you. And then all of a sudden, you get there, and you're still not thinking about this resurrection piece. You're overcome with the trauma of what you've just been through. You get there, and you look in, the stones moved away, and you look inside, and there is no body. You might go outside, say, are we at the right place? And you go back in. There's no body. They were totally shocked. Their eyes are big, and their mouths are probably wide open, and they're looking at each other speechless. Uh Uh-huh. Verses 4 and 5. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? These men, as we know elsewhere, are angels. He is not here, but he is risen. Their reality had been changed. Well, they've moved from this dealing with their reality Now they are shocked and startled by this amazing change of expectations. Thirdly, they're awakened by memory. Verse 6 says, He is not here, but he is risen. Second part of the verse, remember how he told you while he was still in, in, in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Now, don't get too hard on them. Don't get too hard on them. Remember, we're on the south side of the story. We know how it ends. But I guarantee you, I know I would be, if if we were in that story, don't tell me about your great faith. If we were there at the foot of the cross and we saw, saw the horrors of what Jesus went through, we, we, we would have post-traumatic stress. Our minds would be washed away. Our memories. He says, whoa, 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 don't, don't, don't you remember? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Jesus very seldom, very rarely did he speak of his death where he did not also speak of his resurrection. But for some reason, even prior to his crucifixion, they did not latch on to the resurrection. They didn't hear it. All through the Gospels, I don't have time to do this, but I'll just, since we're in Luke, I'll give you two other passages in Luke where he spoke of his death, but he also spoke of his resurrection. Luke chapter 9, verse 22. And you don't have to turn there, but Luke 18, verses 31 through 34. In both those texts, he says, the Son of Man has to suffer and die and be buried, but on the third day he would rise again from the dead. Don't you remember Often we live in bondage and defeat because we forget what God said. I got to tell you, that's my problem. Shouldn't say this because I'm a pastor here, but I can tell you the truth. I can't tell you how disappointed I get in myself when I go through a hard time or some major trial. You know, and I've preached about this stuff. I've even written about this stuff. And almost always when it's a hard trial or whatever I'm going through, I had, this, I had this moment in which, and I'm ashamed to say it, I got this spiritual amnesia. And it's as if God rebukes me along the way. Crawford, don't you remember? 
don't you remember? And the angel said, don't, did Jesus ever lie to you? How many times did he tell you? Don't you remember? Yeah. And I want to tell you this here. For those of us who may not yet be followers of Christ, what you heard is true. What you heard in Sunday school, what you heard as a kid, what you heard growing up, what you saw on TV, what you heard from family and friends, it is true. He is who he said he is, and he did what he said he would do. Rise again on the third day. It's not a figure of speech. It's not a metaphor. It's not a story. It's not an allegory. He's alive. Why? Because he said he did. And he would. And he absolutely did. Well, fourthly, they're transformed by joy. Absolutely transformed by joy. You know, when you look at verses 9 and 10, and then you can contrast it to verse 1, they came there with a basket full of, of scents and stuff to cover the stench. That was their, quote, reality. They're confronted by these angels. This ain't no dream. And the fact that the boulder has been moved away. The Roman seal has been broken. And these angels are talking to them. Their reality has changed. And then they remember. So verses 9 and 10. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and, and the other women with them who told these things. Let's pause right there. They come running back and returning. They, 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 the, the apostles are holed up somewhere. I don't exactly know where they're uh, holding up. They were probably still hiding, by the way. Scared because, you know, they had bucked the Roman system and they had been followers of Jesus. You remember Peter kind of, yeah, yeah, the, the Bible says he cussed and denying Christ. So they were holding up. They're trying to get their game plan together and figure out how they're going to make it without being killed. These women come rushing back, but these women are filled with joy. They left with tears in their eyes early that morning with this basket of stuff to help with the embalming process, and something happened to them. And now they come back full of confidence. These women knew that something glorious had happened and that Jesus was alive. Tuck didn't say it, but these two verses imply a new reality has taken root. They have a new hope and confidence and they've got a story to tell. And i got to tell you, the reason why we're so passionate about Jesus, and we ought to be so passionate about Jesus, the reason why we ought to be kissing fanaticism about Jesus is because the tomb is in fact empty, and he has changed our lives, and there's no question about it. We ought to shout that from the rooftops and let every man, woman, and child know. We ought to crawl across this country on glass to make sure that they know that there is hope, that they don't have to die and go to hell. They don't have to be trapped in sinful snares and imprisoned by habits, that there is freedom because the grave is empty. These women, they came, and they got it. Yeah, but now we enter the fifth and final part of the saga here. They come back to the apostles, and uh, I've entitled this, it was confirmed by a witness, but there's a little bit of an issue before the confirmation comes. 
You can imagine these women are filled with joy. They're telling this story of seeing these angels. The stone is rolled away. He's not here. Don't look for the living among the dead. Remember what he said. And they're saying, of course, if we remember, our spiritual leaders, they definitely have to remember, right? Well, slow your roll, not so fast. Verse 11. Their announcement was met with skepticism. Verse 11. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. And again, I, don't get too hard on these dudes. Don't, don't go there. Don't get too hard on them. Context, north side of the story, right? They've been there. They knew about crucifixion. They also knew that Jesus said some pretty hard things to the religious leaders and to the Romans. That's the reason why, from a human perspective, he was offed. Okay? They're standing there, and they're thinking, wait, wait, only thing we know, you, y'all been to this tomb, you come back, and the only objective evidence you have is that the body's not there. How do we know somebody snatched the body or take it or something else didn't happen? Come on, we, there could be other plausible explanations about him not being there. That's probably what they're thinking. They said, this is a tale. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. I want you to pay attention to this very closely now. Very closely. You must answer the question. You have to answer this question. What happened over a 40-day period that made these dudes do a 180? What happened? Well, let me, let me, let me just click off to you the 10 different appearances of the risen Christ recorded in the Gospels and the first chapter of Acts. I'll just click them off. You can go look this up yourself. These are not dreams, not mirages. The 10 different appearances of Jesus that turn these skeptics into raving, totally committed followers and believers in the resurrection. I'll just click them off. Uh, He appeared to Mary Magdalene. Number two, he appeared to certain other women. That's what we have here in this text. Thirdly, he appeared to Peter. Fourthly, he appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Number five, he appeared to ten disciples, ten of them. Remember, Judas Iscariot had betrayed him, so we have 11. And he appeared to ten of them. Thomas was not present. Then he appeared to the disciples again. This time, Thomas was present. Number seven, he appeared to the disciples when they were fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Number eight, he appeared to the disciples and 500 more at once at a place in Galilee. He appeared to James. And then number 10, he appeared to the apostles immediately before his ascension. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. On each one of these occasions, on each one of these occasions, Jesus gave the opportunity to test the fact of his resurrection. Wasn't a dream, wasn't a mirage or anything. You say, well, Crawford, how's that? Well, these three things. Number one, as you look at these appearances, number one, he had personal conversations with them. Personal conversations with them. Number two, they touched him. They touched them. It wasn't a dream. Number three, he ate with them. That's what happened. That's that's what turned these skeptics into passionate followers. 
Then we have this incredible verse, verse 12. Peter rounds it out. While these others are sort of like going back and forth, what did Peter do? Look at this expression, verse 12. But Peter, the women come back with this report. These guys are kind of like saying, hey, this ain't happening. I don't know, you know, you just oh, slow, slow up here. Verse 12, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb. I want to say two things to you today, church. One is this, the only reason why you are alive, the only reason why I am alive, the only reason, the only reason is to experience the transforming power of the Lord Jesus. That's the only reason why you were ever born. The only reason why we're here is to represent the glory of God in our moment in history. The only reason why you are still breathing is to receive his love and forgiveness. That's the only reason why we're born. The only reason why we're here. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord, I want to tell you, every second, this is true of everybody, but but particularly every second is an extraordinary gift from God and an opportunity to turn from your sin and to trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord. That is the only reason why we're here. Then secondly, for those of us who are believers, the only reason why he did not take us from here to glory after we trusted him is for our, our lives to tell the truth about the resurrection power of Christ so that we might be contagious people. The transforming power of Christ might be alive in us. That's what Paul meant in Romans 6 when he says that, that, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives also in you so that we might walk in newness of life. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, it is so pathetic with us as believers. Many of us are not a good apologetic for the resurrection of Christ. The only reason why the tomb is empty is because the cross accomplished what God wanted and Jesus rose again to demonstrate to a watching world, come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden. I can change your life and your future. You know, Bill, the resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees us victory. Hmm. There's not a problem or a sin or an issue in our lives that our Savior cannot address, change, and transform. Mm -hmm. And I just want our listeners to embrace that and realize that this is not just about celebrating um, some nice fairy tales. It actually happened. Our Savior is alive, and that power is made available to each one of us. Amen. And hallelujah for our resurrected Savior. Thank you so much, Crawford. You've been listening to Living a Legacy with Crawford Loretz. Today's message was titled Beyond Expectation, a look at how Jesus Christ's resurrection can totally transform us. It can be heard again on our website. And to download a free copy of Beyond Expectation, look for the MP3 link. Start with livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. It's important that we hear from you. Take a moment to let us know how God is using the Bible teaching each week. Let's keep this a two-way communication. The email address, legacyandmoody.edu, legacyandmoody.edu. 
For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thank you so much for listening, and Happy Easter. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.